Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Maybe. There it is. All right. I know I didn't have audio. I it's it's one of those things. I this is from when uh, when the computer rebooted itself last week, and we haven't had a show since then. So we're catching up. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. This is the H Two O podcast. <laughs> My name is Jason Hunt, and I am Timothy Harvey, and. Uh, I am wearing what I unboxed today, what I unenveloped today, uh, my my fiberglass freaks Batmobile T-shirt that Mrs. Boss got me. So, and then I looked at the receipt. <laughs> <laughs> there was a series of TV commercials that I made for a for a store, a shop here in town, and. Uh, a friend of mine, my, my son was in it, and he played the, the son of the woman who was shopping, and the whole thing was called Shocking Prices, and the idea was she would look, and she'd say, it cost how much? And then she'd faint, right? And it was over and over and over again. And I almost had one of those moments when I <laughs> like, wait, this t-shirt costs how much? Not, not that I was going to faint or anything, of course, because you know my my constitution is a little bit higher than that. But still, after you woke up, you realized <laughs> you would not faint, right? Oh my goodness! Anyway, so uh, welcome everybody. I see uh, uh, Dave in the chat, MS in the chat, uh, doing a fantasy draft while I listen. MS says. Is it football season? I guess it's football season now, huh? Possibly. Yeah, something. Um, I only care at this point if the Kansas City teams are doing well or going to a bowl or a series or anything like that. And then mostly just because it's, well, that's cool. Yeah. And I never had, I've never had that. Um, and I, I actually enjoyed playing sports. I used to play soccer all the time. I used to be a, I used to be a really good goalie. The problem is, is that if you ever want to, you ever want a sports job, that uh, uh, a role on a sports team where you're liable to get hurt. Uh, <laughs> I got hurt a lot, but I was, I, I enjoyed it, um, and not a very good baseball player. But um, I, ne- I've never had that, like you know my team kind of mentality that I, and, and I, you know, I mean, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas. There's not a whole, the shockers weren't even a football team uh, anymore because um, they did bad things. Um, and the baseball team was okay. You know I mean? So I just, I just never developed that feeling. And my high school, my high school uh, basketball team was good, but our football team sucked. So, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, uh, never developed that, that, feeling ms makes a good point uh, uh fantasy football is D for jocks i i, I, I think that's a that's a accurate i think that's an accurate description there it's all role-playing games yeah it's all fun and, and by all means enjoy enjoy the fantasy the, the fantasy football stuff yeah it's all fun and games until somebody rolls a one <laughs> hey maybe there's a t-shirt there there's a, there's a t-shirt there it's all mm-hmm. fun and games until somebody rolls a one. 
I may ha I'll have to write. I got to write that down. Because one of these days, we, we, we need to have enough merch that we can launch our Amazon Live channel. I don't know if you if you caught if you caught Bunker today because apparently uh, Amazon has a live stream service that you can you can live stream your your video to Amazon like we could do like we're doing now. Um, I'm I'm partying on on Facebook. There's a group that is uh, uh, stream Streamyard users. So people mm -hmm. who do the 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 broadcast through Streamyard. And we've done a few, uh, a little bit of that here. And somebody was talking about settings and how to get everything to talk to each other and all this communication stuff and whatnot. And they said, uh, they mentioned, you know, YouTube and they mentioned Facebook. And they mentioned, you know, uh, Twitch and Amazon Live. And I thought, wait, what? Amazon Live? What is it? Now, we, our podcast, this show goes to Amazon Music as a podcast. So you have mm -hmm. the podcast services over there at part of Amazon Music. But I'd never heard of this Amazon Live, so I started looking it up. And sure enough, this is a thing. It's, it's, you can live stream your brand. And of course, there's, there's where it begins. And people are like, uh, it's it's like the home shopping network, where you're a vendor and you're a product, and you okay, get to you sure, have you gotcha. have a product, and you get to live stream the stuff that you sell through Amazon. I thought, oh well, that cuts us out, but it's still, concept wise, it's like one of those things. I'm like, well, maybe we do a live stream every now and again where we sell our mugs, and you kind of like kind of like uh, the old PBS streams, you know? The, the I like the, the I like the bobblehead idea. <laughs> I, you know, I, there was, who was it? Um, we had a story here not too long ago because there have been more of these where you get the 3D printed action figure of yourself. I think Hasbro is doing it now uh, mm -hmm. where you can get yourself as a, as a Ghostbuster and a, an X-Wing pilot, a couple of other things. And of course, I, I've got, Oh, when when they were first doing it, uh, I paid seventy five dollars to turn my kid into a superhero. So that you know, it's send the photographs and they do the sculpt. And I think he's probably he's hopefully he's still got it. I don't know. He's still mad at me. He maybe throw it away. But uh, that technology, of course, we see it now in uh, in the comic cons, where right. somebody will have the three D print thing and you can go in and you can do your pose. And then they'll print it out, and you have your you have your action figure, right. you have your figurine. So maybe maybe we do some. I don't I don't know I don't know that anybody would want any bobbleheads of us. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the the tin bobbleheads would fly off the shelf unless they were <laughs> possessed by something, um, or there was an earthquake, or somebody got mad and just decided that yours exactly. Was I, I mean, mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not seeing them could, being a big seller. Sorry, I could see I the mean, appeal. <laughs> And I would answer to the uh, uh, football question, how many points in a touchdown before or after the field goal? And and does that does that count for the safeties? Right. I mean, come on. You know, the, 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 uh, the two-point. You might tend to break the ball. Room. Hey, whatever whatever puts money in our pockets. I mean, you do whatever you want to do with the thing that you've already given us your money for. Yeah. And speaking of which, we do have a PayPal link. So, you know, 
Uh, and the super chat. Oh, and oh, I, I I got an email today. Um, and I have to investigate this. But uh, apparently, and I don't know if I have to set this thing up. I don't know, Mrs. Boss. You're looking at this. Um, apparently, we now have the ability. You know, because we can do super chats in the in the live chat, right? Anybody who's with us live, they can mm. do a super chat in the thing, and they can throw us money through through YouTube. And they can do some kind of a donation, tips and tokens and whatnot over on Odyssey as well. It's it's blockchain on that side of things, you know, crypto and whatnot. But I got this email today from YouTube saying that we now have access to this thing called Super Thanks, and I have no. <laughs> no idea what it is it's um i have to look because i don't know what super thanks are it's I a mean, thank you really loud what maybe <laughs> i maybe it's a different kind of emoji or or whatever but okay. you know given at our at our level in the partner program because we're monetized we have a monetized channel we can make money and and all that through ads we do have right now we've cleared the hurdle to start selling memberships so we can set up you know you could subscribe you know you subscribe to the channel but you could also join and be a member for say like a dollar 99 i've talked to a couple of people who were about about how to set this thing up and and they'd talk me through it but you know like a dollar 99 per month or five dollars a month or whatever you get access to you know, the members only streams things. And, right. you know, you could start doing some of that and start making money. But, you know, given given the the limited number of super chats we get, I'm like, well, you know, it's not that really a, a huge deal to be pushing for the 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 monetary side of things. But, you know, it's 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 just interesting. I was like, super thanks. What's that? I don't know. Oh, Dave says, uh, guess what showed up in my mailbox today? The Montgomery Ward catalog. I, okay, so on Live from the Bunker, I had this. We got the mail today, and I, this is a very clever piece of marketing. This is this is something where, and I said, you know, Marvel and DC needs to take a, take a, a lesson from whoever put this thing together. So we get this thing in the mail. It's the Montgomery Ward catalog. Well, like, first of all, Montgomery Ward is still a thing, and... It's, you know, it's, here's, here's the stuff that you can buy from Montgomery Ward. And I would assume it's all online thing now, you know, wards.com or whatever. Sure. So you got your, your kitchen stuff and you got your, you know, your bedroom stuff, your decorative decor and your jewelry and your car stuff and whatnot. And the very front of this thing is you're pre-approved for a wards credit card. So it's, it's not your typical letter with the pitch and here's the thing and and that it's an actual look at all this stuff you can buy and here's the credit card you can use you know and Mm -hmm. i thought that's rather clever so we were talking about that i showed i showed that off today during bunker um the answer is um following a successful test period super thanks is rolling out to all creators in the youtube partner program previously known as viewer applause Never heard of that either. <laughs> Super thanks is a way for viewers to support you and your content. Um, as a creator, it enables you to earn even more revenue on videos, and you can activate it with just one click. Um, viewers can buy Super Thanks on a video page as a way to support, show support and appreciation. 
think of it like a donation or a tip for producing great product. In return, viewers will get to post a colorful, colorful message that stands out in the comment section. So. Okay. There we go. All right. Content well. creators keep 70% of the amount a viewer chooses to contribute. Good to know. I did, I, I did not know that. I hadn't. I, yeah, I, I had to look it up. I was like, I don't even know what this is. Uh, how do you how do you make a thanks super? Right. That's uh, I don't know. That's so I don't know. Maybe we maybe we start doing this. Maybe we maybe okay. we do some of this stuff. Who knows? Oh, anyway. All right. So, shall we get into our topic now that we're 15 minutes in? Well, it gives people time to get here and kind of get settled in with their coffee and their and their adult beverage and and whatnot. So, uh, you know, it's it's interesting though because you you said you said that the content creators get to keep 30 percent or no you, content YouTube creators keep 70 percent. 30 percent goes to YouTube. That actually is better than the Super Chats, because the Super Chats, YouTube keeps 55%. Well, then, there you go. I may have to look into this. Y'all, 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 y'all thank us a little bit. See what happens. <laughs> uh, Let's run an experiment, and you folks can help us out. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Help us test this. Yes, there we go. All right, so uh, we've got a couple of deals. Speaking of deals, um, there's a couple of things ha that has uh, come through the last week or so, uh, and it's interesting development. I don't know which one do you want to do first because it's... Um, well... I mean, the CW one is is technically the most recent news, um, and I think the one that raises the most questions, um, because the uh, Warner Brothers MGM distribution deal is doesn't is not necessarily going to affect. Well, does not appear to necessarily affect. The folks here in the states, it'll you're, it's an international deal, right? We can come back around to it, but um, that's that's more of a interesting kind of thing than concerning. But the CW deal, I guess it depends on what your goals are. <laughs> <laughs> well. The CW's goals apparently is to be profitable by 2025. At least that's according to this this deadline article. So let's uh, let's let's back up a little bit and and talk about what exactly is going on. So we have uh, Nextstar, which is uh, a a group of uh, television owned and operated. They own television stations across the country. Uh, they I also the they largest. also recently bought the hill, uh, just uh, for anybody who's interested. But yeah, I think they are the largest, if not one of the largest. And they're developing their own news network, and and I I don't think it's live yet, but I know that 
they've been working on one. Right. Um, and so, um, that seems to be, I think that these collections of stations all like, like everybody else, they're, they're trying to evolve in, in the changing markets. And so from a business standpoint, they clearly think it's a good idea to get more involved in content creation, mm. you know, actually making the shows that they would be carrying. Right. Um, which, you know, to, to, I, I think I, there's, there's logic to that. I mean, if you're going to, you know, make money both ends. So, yeah. Well, this article from Deadline here, as it transitions to new ownership, the CW will likely not look dramatically different in the near term, but Nexstar Media Group intends to turn it into a more broad audience and cost con conscious broadcast network. Company earlier today confirmed it is set to take a 75% ownership stake in the network with previous 50-50 owners Paramount Global and Warner Brothers Discovery each retaining 12.5%. Um, 12.5 plus 12.5. Yeah, okay, that's 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 25. The transaction will formally close in the next few weeks. Executives articulated some of their initial plans during a 15-minute conference call with Wall Street analysts though the presentation included only prepared remarks and no Q&A period. So uh, I saw this after there was chatter online where people were, were sitting there and talking about uh, the, the audience for CW being 58 and more, uh, 58 and older. And I thought, that's not the CW's audience. But it turns out that's the audience that they're going for. They're going to broaden out, and instead of just the women 18 to 18 to 54, they're going to broaden out to all all uh, well more demographics. I won't say all demographics, uh, but the plan is to uh, uh, to expand the audience, which means a lot of different programming than what they're doing now. And well, yeah, and I think that that's, I mean, there's, there's two arguments here. You kind of got that, you know, recognize the niche that you fit in yeah, and then just dive into that niche and make it yours. And, and which is why, you know, and, and it's, it's the kind of thing where you get like, you know, the sci-fi channel, it in theory is a channel where you would go and find sci-fi things. It hasn't always been the case. It was for the first 17 years. <laughs> and then it very much was not. Because um, they tried to broaden the base right. to a very strange um, demographic, at least going from one to the other. Um, and and in this crowded marketplace, I can see the logic to like going in and finding your niche. And, but the thing is, is that once you found that niche, you're, for good or for ill, you're within that niche. And you're not going to necessarily grow an audience um particularly fast i mean you might your your audience may very well still grow but it's not you're not going to get the same kind of thing if you've got like you know you're pulling in from everybody else you know it's a specialty interest right, right. same thing with a sports channel or a news channel um you know you're getting you know this, here's the product you're offering and that's you're not offering these other products so therefore Right. Which is why you see so many channels like the History Channel or uh, Nature 
channels which suddenly have got these like ridiculous amount of really really bad reality tv programs um because they hit the walls of their niche and they're cheap and so, yeah and they're cheap and you know and ancient aliens god only knows why um <laughs> does draw an audience yeah i mean yeah and unfortunately it's not all people just mocking you know the hate watching or mock watching but um, but, but it's, I mean, we've seen this before where people have sat there and gone. And I think that for the CW, I mean, that it's always had that sort of younger audience target and the programming has reflected that. Well, and it's also been a loss leader for them. I mean, it's it's never been profitable, and and you can see the a really good example of this is Supergirl. So Supergirl starts out first season on CBS. CBS is one of the owners of the CW. You know, it, what Paramount Global is now, you know, Viacom, CBS, all that to start out, mm. right. and that was the Paramount Network. You know, UPN. And WB, they merged to become the CW. And Paramount owned some of it. And CBS, Viacom owned some of it. And CBS had Supergirl for the first season. And it didn't do all that well, ratings-wise. But when it went over to the CW, which was partially owned by CBS, the second year, this, it it did just fine. The, the numbers didn't change much, rating-wise. But the context of the ratings were now, it doesn't matter. You know, and, and, it, and, and that was a clear example for everybody to see that the CW is not a ratings-driven machine. It has always been, and, I th- and that's one of the reasons why Batwoman got three seasons, because, you know, despite being however terrible craft-wise or whatever it was it was done... It drove social media discussion. It drove online chatter. And it's that, you know, that age group, that 18 to 24 age group especially, but, you know, uh, maybe a little bit older, that social media engagement is what really drives the CW programming. Right. They, don't, they don't look so much at the, the ratings for the show itself. It's all of the ancillary stuff that comes with it with the audience, if they're looking at it on CW Seed or they're watching it online on the dot .com or, the, or whatever, and they're engaged in all of the social media channels past that, plus all of the social media channels for the actors and the performers and the shows and all that stuff. And that's what they take to the advertisers and they say, look at all this engagement. Give us money. And which they don't is, sell is, it on the ratings. Just an argument in these in this time when we've got so many different options. Um, you know the idea the the days when you and I were kids and teens, where we have um, uh, you know three channels in PBS is you could easily have millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of viewers for a show, but it's one of three choices. Yeah, and so. There's to some degree you had, and and yes, there was a lot of good programming, but there was also a lot of 
not so good programming. And but you were a captive audience. It was like the only thing, you know, if you didn't if you didn't want to watch Dynasty, you looked to see what was on the other networks. Yeah. And so you watched something else. And I mean, now there's so many different options that running just off the ratings for a show, if you're looking at number uh, the numbers game, um, it's not as you know and we've seen this before we've had really really good shows that have had really really crappy numbers yeah but you know and so it's it's we talked about the 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 nielsen's matter before and the, the question still remains no i don't hate reality tv watchers <laughs> i hate most reality tv watch what you like enjoy what you like i I'm old enough to have watched the first season of The Real World and the first season of Survivor. And you know what? I watched those, and then I was like, there's more? I, I, I don't need any more. Yeah. Well, now, just... Have we not said all we need to say? <laughs> just to give people uh, an idea here, just for comparison, let's, let's be the old men in the room here for a minute. The MASH finale... MASH went on, I mean, it was set in the Korean War. The Korean War lasted, I think, what, five years-ish? MASH lasted 11 seasons, I think. The final episode of MASH, it was called Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen. 106 million people watched that episode. On that night, now this is back, This is there's no streaming, there's no DVR. There's no VCR. You, I mean, maybe you had a VCR. Unlikely. Unlikely. I mean, this is what? 1980, oh, 1983. If you had one, it was the size of a Buick. And it was $600. Yeah, it was one of those. But <laughs> 100, 106 million people watched this thing live. Not online, not in a rerun, and by comparison, Batwoman, the finale of Batwoman, the last episode of Batwoman, 415,000 people. Now, in fairness to Batwoman, a show that I've never actually watched an episode of. I haven't either. Um, not because I... And this is an example of there's too much content sometimes is that I never actually actively set out to not watch Batwoman. Yeah. It was just one of those shows that fell through the cracks for me. Uh, there's a lot of CW shows that have. Some of them I started off really strong with, like Arrow and and The Flash. And I, I get real hit and miss with them anymore. And mm -hmm. it's not because I don't enjoy the shows when I watch them. Generally, I do. Um, but I just too much to do <laughs> too many shows on um so i mean what's the what's the average viewing numbers for any episode of any show of the cw i don't know i don't well, know either um but it's it's not, more it's certainly, more than certainly nothing on the scale it's more that we're going to see millions and millions of people watching it it's right? more than four hundred thousand. i mean it's, oh i'm sure it, it, it most of the shows do better than batwoman Oh I mean, yeah, no, no I mean, there's no question that I mean if if it, if it if it had been doing well, 
even with the drama behind the scenes that apparently there was a lot of, um, I know more about the drama than the actual what happened on the show. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. Which is which is not a good sign. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't care. You know, no matter no matter. I I like I like the character of Batwoman just fine. Um, but uh, clearly that was a troubled show from the beginning. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah. Dave you know. Dave mentions the Who Shot Jr. episode of of Dallas. Just for context here, um, the the ratings on that one that until Mash, the Who Shot Jr. episode that that was that was the highest highest rating. It had a fifty three point three Nielsen rating. That's a ton of people. Seventy six percent of the viewing audience that night was watching Dallas. Right. Uh, between 83 and 90 million American viewers watched the episode. Now, this is this is not this is not the episode where he got shot, right. because that was the season finale. You know, he he got shot, and now you spend all summer wondering who shot Jr. Because back in those days, you had. The, the season break. finale, you had the summer break, and now you've got it until September. You know, you've got May to September. And, and what are we going to do since then? And, of course, you had the reruns and stuff for people to catch up. But the 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 season premiere coming back was the big ratings, you know, who did it, who did it, who did it. And, of course, they didn't tell you then. It was like three or four episodes in before you found out it was it was Kristen. Spoilers, by the way. But that's not the point. The point is is to get you to watch that first episode. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this was um, event TV, right? This was the... They would, they would have these giant cliffhangers, these real dramatic you know, end-of-the-season thing, and then you would have to wait. And, yeah. and and this is a model that continues, of course. I mean, pretty much every every uh, drama uh, and a lot of comedies uh, at this point, romantic TV shows, anything like that, the season finale is either a wrapping up of things because it's up in the air whether or not you're going to come back for another season. Right. Um, <laughs> or... Or it's the big cliffhanger. And, of course, the big cliffhanger is a risk anymore for a lot of these shows because... Say you're a Netflix show, for example, um, you might not get another season just for reasons um, that are, you know, I spent 10 weeks at number one. What do you mean my show's been canceled? <laughs> well, and it's, you know, again, that goes that goes to money, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever. Arcane equation the folks, the accountants over at Netflix are using. It's crazy. I just, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm thinking about all of this stuff. The, the, yes. the, the next generation cliffhanger, best of both worlds. <laughs> when, you know, camera pushes into Commander Riker, you know, we we've revealed that that Picard is now Locutus of Borg, and the camera pushes in on Riker, and he says, "Mr. Worf, fire!" And he goes black, and it just it it's a hard cut to black, 
Mm-hmm. And the music swells up, and then you get this to be continued. And I was just like, that's it? That, what? But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Them's were the days. Well, and I think that you, know, you you can definitely get that sort of thing for a lot of shows these days, especially when I would, except they're, they're more likely to break things. You know, a lot of shows are splitting their seasons into two halves. Yeah. And so you get that big cliffhanger in the middle so that you, because you know you've got the rest of the season, whether or not your show is on you know, the risk of not coming back for another season, you've got that middle bit mm-hmm. where you can sit there and have the big dramatic uh, scene, and it's a lot safer um, uh, on, on the creative side of things to do it that way. Well, which... and now that, now that the Nielsen, uh, now that the Nielsen's are, are counting streaming, that it's now a thing again and you know we've seen this with a lot of the a lot of the shows and we've talked about this uh over on on ranker pit with valiant renegade because the the new andor series mm-hmm. you know obi-wan came back with two episodes back to back for released right out of the gate and they were talking about how it was the most watched most most minutes most watch minutes for a premiere well they were counting both episodes not just the first one so they're fudging the numbers a little bit and they're probably going to do the same kind of thing for andor with three episodes coming out because then they can sit there and say well it's the most watched it's even more than obi-wan well yeah because you gave us three episodes to watch and i you know nielsen may be counting the streaming stuff a little bit differently than they've done with broadcast. And even then that was never, that was never accurate. Well, I remember when I learned exactly how the Nielsen numbers worked and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. We base everything on that. Uh, I don't know. Should I, should I tell that story? Um, I mean, it's relevant. There, okay, so, so in in ye olden days, back now this is back before you know cable was a thing. Yet we have cable, we have network. That was it. We didn't have any of the streaming services or or any of that. Satellite, yeah. So the way the Nielsen works, Nielsen invites people to be there. Focus group, I guess you could say. They're, they're, they're field surveys. And they have this little book. Back when it was a book. And you get picked to be a Nielsen family. And you would watch. And you basically keep a diary of all of the shows that you watch during the week. How long you watch it. You know, was the first 15 minutes? Did you watch the whole show for an hour or whatever? And you fill out this diary and you send it back to Nielsen. And from that, Nielsen knew what, roughly, what the numbers were. At least that's what we thought. It turns out that it's not even that accurate. Because I, I remember when I was working at an ABC affiliate up north. And there's a, there's a county up north, north, north Missouri. Not away county. And in that county, there was one household with a book. And that one household 
represented all of Nottaway County as far as Nielsen numbers were concerned. So whatever that one household was watching, that entire county was watching those shows. And I, I just about flipped my hands up and said, that's the most stupid thing. I mean, I didn't say this out loud because, you know, there are other people present in the meeting. But I was sitting there thinking to myself, what an idiotic way to do it. And then, of course, we had the set-top boxes that came in later. You had the electronic boxes that are attached to the TV that monitored what you were watching. You know, because then you didn't have to fill out a book. It was just this thing, and it got shipped off, you know, online. And, yeah, sci-fi stuff is bad data is better than no data, and I get that. And you have to figure out the best way that you can measure based on whatever available resources that you have. But you right. have this entire industry in in the television world which is built around the advertising based on those Nielsen numbers. How much a TV commercial costs based on those Nielsen numbers. And yeah, you can get more accurate now. But it's still not, I mean, it's, it's still a guessing game as far as the streaming stuff goes right. because the streaming services are not releasing their own numbers. Everything's, uh, everything's hit and miss guesswork. And CW, being the CW, you know, you're looking at the, the viewership numbers here and the advertisers are looking at, there's nobody watching your channel. And it's an open secret. Everybody knows that the CW was a money loser. It's it's what they call a loss leader. There's no profit in it. And these new people at Nextar, they're even saying, you know, well, we, everybody's always known the CW doesn't, doesn't make money. But it's going to by 2025. Or else. Right. That's the plan anyway. Right. And I think that that's... It says here, according to SNL Kagan data, no other broadcast network operates at an ongoing loss. Well, one, one does have to wonder what... Okay, so if you're... I can completely understand wanting to run your business as a profit. At a profit. I mean, that, that's, generally speaking, a good idea. Um, and... I, certainly making it not be a loss leader yeah, yeah. that would be good yeah. um but the question then becomes how do you draw people in to watch it what's the content what's the programming what are you going to be putting out that are going to is going to to draw those eyes and that'll be the interesting to see interesting thing to see um because do they basically go i mean they've already so much of the programming that was on there is done yeah. or it's about to be done All right. or it's on its way out the door. And, and they so say the question for, is for 2022 and 2023 Paramount and Warner brothers discovery will still continue to produce programming for the network. So the new, uh, the new, um, uh, the new Walker independence with, with cat McNamara, you've got season nine of the flash. You have star girl, you've got, Gotham Knights, if Gotham Knights goes, I don't know. Happens, if, yeah. I don't even know if that one's going yet. Um, I think it's supposed to be in production. It, yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's gone that far. I haven't. I haven't seen. But it's it's that kind of thing. They're saying you know 
that season is kind of in place. But after that, it's a we'll see. Mm -hmm. So they may not even take programming from the other two networks that own a piece of it. I would imagine they probably take some stuff just because they're part owners. I think they'll take some stuff from Discovery. Um, but Cheap. whether what considering that what Warner Brothers Discovery is going to turn into, we're not sure about that either. <laughs> right. I mean, there's just it's it's a very it's a very uncertain landscape for both of these, uh, you know, companies that where what is it going to look like yeah. a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. Well, and I can tell you right now, I, I, I'm 95 to 98% sure that a lot of the programming on the new CW is not going to involve superheroes. Because if David Zaslav has his way, all the capes are going to the big screen first. Maybe Stargirl stays on the, t- on the CW because it seems to be doing really well and it's got positive buzz and everybody likes it. But... Zazlav wants the superheroes up on the movie screen because that was the big spectacular epic, you know, tentpole blockbuster things. That's how you make money and you go into the various different other things with it with streaming and home video and whatnot, but theatrical first. So I don't think their strategy is going to involve a whole lot of capes on on the CW. So they're going to have some holes to fill. But it also, I mean the the the, the my problem with that philosophy means that you really do limit yourself to some potential stories so for example you could not get a the boys uh that's not something you could put you could not do a faithful adaptation of the boys here's here's the qualifier faithful adaptation Mm -hmm. or semi-faithful adaptation you couldn't do that uh as a movie because you need the space of that many hours of television to tell this part of your story. Otherwise, you've condensed things so down. down. And I'm not saying you can't do that. We've seen adaptations where, where stuff has worked that way. But it's been changed significantly. You would not get a show that has been overall, because there's significant differences from the comics mm-hmm. in The Boys. Um, but it's big broad strokes really faithful um at least certainly to the concepts um and the same thing with the sandman you couldn't 30 years it was trying to get made into movies and every time it was like this is a terrible script this isn't gonna work you can't condense 12 issues down to two hours and an hour and a half most of that most of the time uh and have it be be faithful so i mean i get it you you're the movie is more likely to make you more money of course right but yeah you also potentially lose out on good stories well don't we want good stories (laughs) see the other the other part of that though is in, in the Warner Brothers earnings call uh, a week and a half ago, Zaslav was talking about producing content and licensing it out. So he's, he's looking in the overall broad spectrum of, of stuff that they're going to produce. 
Mm-hmm. And and he talked about it, and the financial guy talked about it. What do we keep in house mm-hmm. to run on our own networks, our own linear stuff, and and our streaming service and whatnot? You know, Paramount Plus or Turner or whatever. And what do we produce that we license out to distribute some other places? And I would imagine that would include CW, now that Nextar owns it, or Apple, or Amazon, or Netflix, or wherever. Because Warner Brothers Television can produce shows that goes other places, too. So he's looking at this as, you know, cost versus revenue. And, you know, to answer Snob's question, how can you lose money on a TV network... You spend more than you than you bring in by advertisers. Mm-hmm. You know the advertiser revenue, the the ad revenue from CBS and Warner Brothers Television and all of the different ads and and whatnot that comes in from all of these other ancillary places that props up the CW to do what it's doing with social media buzz. Mm-hmm. And it's basically this is a this is an entry point where you can get people in on the CW, but then cross promote and get them watching other shows on on CBS and Paramount Plus or wherever it is you're going to send them. This is the this is the gateway drug, as it were. And the new owners have decided that's not how they're going to do it. And Warner Brothers has got their own plan, whatever it is that they're going to do, because now, you know, we've got this deal that was announced yesterday with uh, distributing the MGM library. Uh, well, at least the new stuff starting uh, after Creed 3. No, but this is internationally. This is, it is not, international. it's not domestic. domestically. So outside so of the U.S., Right, so the the question was, um, I scroll back here a little bit, uh, is the MGM deal for only only for only for film? Or does it include physical media? Um, it include, I am going to. It does include guess. physical media. It does include distribution home to home video. Right. Uh, this is um, Hollywood Reporter. I've also got a deadline here. It's a multi-year deal, uh, beginning with Bones and All Creed Three. The next James Bond picture is not part of this deal because that's already right. in place and it's already in production, at least in development, before right. this deal was made. So it's not covered. And that's going out through the Universal deal. Yeah, and subsequent yeah, the, the Bond deal got movies would go through Warner Brothers. Too much into their run as Warner Brothers Pictures Group co-chairs and CEOs Michael DeLuca and Pam da- uh, Pamela Abdi, who were at MGM before going to Warner Brothers, by the way, have hammered out a multi-year deal to handle the international distribution of MGM's theatrical titles, commencing with Luca Guadagnino's Bones and All in November and continuing with the 2023 slate and beyond. Second title under the pack being Creed 3 in March. Uh, The deal will deliver a great deal of incremental revenue to Warner Brothers. And there's that thing. What can we do to make money? Right. Uh, the terms are three years with an option for two and encompasses the theatrical distribution of MGM titles outside of the U.S., including China. That's assuming that they can get a movie in China. The new agreement also includes worldwide physical home entertainment distribution. There it is. On all newly released MGM titles. So this doesn't cover anything that exists in the MGM library already. 
this is new stuff. Mm-hmm. Anything going forward, this will be part of the deal, and and it'll include physical media. So Blu-rays, DVDs, 4K, that kind of thing. Digital downloads and whatnot, that'll be part of this thing, too. Which, considering what Warner Brothers is apparently trying to do with generating revenue, this seems like a good deal for them. And quite frankly, it is probably a good deal for MGM. Okay, they signed off on it, so I'm sure they, they, <laughs> they've, they've looked at it and make sense to them. Yeah. Because they don't physically have to, they don't have to do this. They've got somebody else to do it for them. And they're still making money. So... It surprises me, though, that... Amazon is not mentioned here because Amazon just bought MGM. And I know Amazon doesn't have the- theaters. They don't they don't have a theatrical distribution operation. So I I don't expect them to pick that up. Mm-hmm. But the ancillary markets, streaming and home video and all that other stuff, you would think that Amazon would would be front and center with all of that stuff, not Warner Brothers. It might very well be on the Amazon side of things, looking at it from their distribution thoughts. Um, again, just financially better for them to let somebody else do the work. Because you know this stuff is just going to end up being able to order it from Amazon anyway. Yeah. I mean, they just don't have to, they don't have to create, especially for the physical media. You know, that's that's something that's that, that's now been moved out, you know, off-site and you're still getting it because you're selling it what if and i'm just spitballing here i don't have any indication that this is the case i don't have any little whispers in my ears from sources i would love to have sources if anybody works at warner brothers or mgm or amazon anybody we'd love to have sources sure but what if Warner Brothers Discovery is doing this as a prelude to making an offer to Amazon because stop and consider Amazon has their streaming service and they're and they're starting to get into production but the mm-hmm. first year of Lord of the Rings <clears throat> asterisk they spend a gob ton of money in Australia and the expectation in Australia, New Zealand rather, is they're going to spend a gob ton of money every year that they're making this show. And then Amazon says, no, season two we're going to shoot in the UK because it costs less. And they're starting to realize, I think maybe Amazon is starting to realize, hey, this making TV stuff costs money. And may- maybe... Again, pure speculation on my part. What if Amazon realizes, same as AT&T, we've bitten off more than we can chew. This is not our bag. What if, what if this deal with Warner Brothers is the beginning of Warner Brothers Discovery acquiring MGM? Possible. Possible, although I think that that Amazon is aware of the cost of creating content of their own. I mean, they, you know, um, I, the expanse 
uh, is not a was not a cheap show to make. Right. And um, they continued to make it until they reached the logical point where there's a time jump in the novels. There's a 30 year gap yeah. in, in the story where logistically, I mean, if you're going to if you're going to uh, put an end to a thing that you're producing, um, that's the place to do it. I, you know, I wish they wouldn't have, but oh, well. Um, so they're aware and they, they've produced, they got their other content they've produced, but no, I mean, it's entirely possible. I think, um, I don't, I mean, I would like to think that Warner brothers, considering that we're all wondering what the heck they're going to do, mm-hmm. uh, over the next few years anyway, with this whole thing that's going on over there. Right. Um, w- that would could potentially backfire. I mean, maybe a few years down the line, that makes sense. Um, well, but right sure. now, it'd be like, and so they make yes, th- they let's make this buy all first. the things, and so all the things can collapse and take down the entire company. Yeah, that's why I'm saying th- they make this deal first to do the distribution of things to get everything maybe. kind of settled for the new Warner Brothers Pictures or whatever that's going to end up being. And, you well, know, I mean, get rid of CW, get rid, you know, they've divested themselves because you see, you stop and consider because a lot of people are making the comparisons with the earnings calls between Warner Brothers Discovery and Walt Disney Company. But the Disney Company is this huge conglomeration of all of these different things that have absolutely nothing to do with the studio. Mm-hmm, you know, right. Walt Disney Pictures is a drop in the bucket. I mean, it, they mentioned Marvel and Star Wars in passing on the earnings call. And, oh, by the way, we put Lightyear out. I mean, that was as much time as they focused on it at all. It was all sports and linear programming, you know, linear uh, stations. Not even so much on, on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, we're going to do some streaming stuff. we got a plan for streaming, whatever. But they're focused on sports and and broadcast and IPL over in India and all this other stuff. And, you know, you've got all the resort stuff and the parks and the entertainment and the and the cruise lines and you know, the real estate and all this stuff. Warner Brothers Discovery doesn't have all of that. Warner Brothers Discovery is a creative studio content creator, a media company. Mm-hmm. And so they're probably in a better position to appreciate what it takes to make this stuff uh, pro- much better than AT&T did. Right. I mean, AT&T bought this thing and they went, oh, it does that. Well, we don't, we, we, we don't want that. You know, you put it over here, you know, give it to Aunt Matilda, you know, just, just set it aside. Uh, but it, Warner Brothers. I mean, Warner Brothers has a storied history as a studio themselves. Right, but I mean, I think that you look at like, and I was just thinking about this for MGM. I mean, were we not just not that long ago at a point wondering where MGM was even going to exist? Right. And so I think that this may ultimately be, depending on on whether or not it turns out to be a financially good deal. Um, this could be another way of keeping keeping MGM around, um, yeah. and I think that there's, but the there there comes a point where you ask yourself, is MGM even MGM? It's kind of like I, I kind of feel the same way about Warner Brothers, to be honest, and and the same thing with with the CW. 
because if you're going to change it beyond what it you know so it's so different from what it was before is it even the same thing with the you know if you've got the same name on it well the cw has evolved from what it oh, was yeah. when it first when it first popped out of upn wb because you know oh, sure. upn besides star trek voyager upn was a lot of urban black comedy type stuff you know that was it was it was that kind of programming and wb was dawson's creek and felicity and all these tween drama tearjerker things and when that when those two networks merged it was like whoa wait a minute what i mean it, it was there was an identity crisis right off the bat and of course things mm. streamlined and they had certain right. certain uh, certain uh, weeknights were you know the comedy blocks and the half hour shows and whatnot and right. then you had the 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 everwood and and whatever else Mm -hmm. But eventually, Arrow happened, and you right. had Charmed, and the the skew started heading toward uh, the science fiction fantasy stuff, you know, Roswell and, and that sort of thing. Right. And it became a niche. It became, this is, this is the kind of network we are. I mean, how many, how many Arrowverse shows were there on at any given time? And right. now... It's just going to be another another rebranding. It's it's like when your favorite radio station that's been doing classic rock forever, you know, with ninety nine seven KY, they're no longer ninety nine seven KY. They're some soft rock pop hits thing, and well, you yeah, turn on the radio none of your DJs and you're are like, local. what? Arrow. Yeah, and none of your DJs are local there. It's it's all uh, syndicated out of L.A. or or Chicago or whatever. Yeah, a AM radio. You and I again. You know the, the that time period where AM radio was the thing, and suddenly you know it, it all became syndication. Um, and you know, I mean, yeah. So the, I mean, all of these things change and evolve. I mean, certainly yeah. none of this stuff resembles what it was ten years ago or twenty years ago. And, and that I... and that's how it is i mean yeah. that's that's not surprising that the people watching this stuff the you know they age out of that market or they die or there's or the tastes in the audience change entirely mm -hmm. um and you know but well john 42 makes a good point about with the sci-fi channel changed over to sci-fi and they started canceling shows left and right. I mean, Warehouse 13 was gone. Eureka was gone. You had the wrestling st stuff that was on there. And at one point, uh, people were sitting there speculating that they were going to get out of science fiction altogether. Right. Because yeah. when Dave Stern was over there in charge, they were trying to be like another USA network. And that's when we launched as, yeah. as an answer to that. Because my grand goal ambition was, let's be the next sci-fi channel. And why couldn't it be online instead of a cable network? This is back before streaming, folks. I was ahead of the curve. We just didn't have any money. Well, and, and you see how well that worked out for the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, because they the went short back, term, they it went back. May have back. it may have actually made sense for them. In the long term, it certainly did not no because uh, dave, dave dave stern was out bill mcgoldrick came in and his marching orders were get us back into science fiction fix it 
but well, they still point, I mean, they you, still go only go three three seasons before it, it gets too expensive and they cancel the show. Right. So well, you know. and they, this is there's a reason why you can find the asylum pictures on the Sci-Fi Channel. <laughs> and 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 from a financial standpoint, that makes sense. They don't cost much. Yeah. Um, well, we had looked they, at one point about uh, getting a getting a library, mm-hmm. uh, because there are there are libraries where you could go and you could pay your money for for copies of the films, uh, right. especially the ones that are in public domain, uh, which includes the first uh, uh, Walking Dead, uh, Night of the Living Dead, whatever, what uh, Corman's uh, uh, Romero's first one, mm-hmm. and it it's. What did I, what did I figure was fifteen hundred dollars, and we could get uh, a collection of films, and some of this stuff was not even B movie level; it was C and D level, right? But you know, some titles we recognized, you know, and, sure. and, and, I, and, I, and there's an audience okay. for that. This stuff still, I mean, yeah. there are there are folks who enjoy watching um, those films, and some of them are a lot of fun, even if they clearly had no money. Yeah, we could do our own drive-in theater t- thing like Joe Bob Briggs does. Mm-hmm. Just you know, it's it's that it's that it's that pesky money thing. So everybody, <laughs> so so we circle back to the super thanks, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. See. Yes. That like was the my plan. Right yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and and. You know, the streaming stuff, because Netflix has run into this now, because they've had to trim back and, and, you know, they've made all these cuts and layoffs and whatnot. The streaming process has not gone the way everybody expected it to. And I don't know if ha- if some of that's pandemic stuff or, or if it's just we all we all extend overextended our resources and we and we we wrote a check we can't cash. Well, they, they, they're so when when you're the biggest game in town, like Netflix was for a while, mm. and all your competition is much, much smaller, and you're growing at the rate you're growing, it's really, really easy to think that you're always going to grow that way, even though uh, I'm pretty sure I remember from like the one or one business class I took in college where it's like, don't think that way because it's not going to happen. You know, it, you're never going to continue to grow at the same rate. You're going to plateau. You might drop, then you might grow again. It depends on what the product is, is that you're selling. Yeah. And your audience sometimes is only ever going to get so big. And then factor in the, the fact that everybody's in the streaming field now. Netflix has real competition because these other studios sat there and went, okay, we're competing with Netflix. I have to have this level of quality of programming. And I, ooh, hey, I've got the rights to, you know, this thing or that thing. And suddenly people are not that part of that Netflix audience is looking over here. Well, yeah, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. That's. And I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying remotely that Netflix was blind to this. They probably had people saying, this, you know, this growth is not going to go on forever. Um, right. 
but they may not have factored in how much they were going to lose to these other streaming services that quite frankly the streaming space has grown so fast uh it's it's like the beginning of the early days of cable right where right. every you know there was every, suddenly it just exploded and we predicted uh, when when streaming first became a thing and it was all about the it was all everything we said that at some point it's going to be like cable where everything's going to start getting bundled up and we started to see this what two or three years ago when i mean our our disney plus is bundled with hulu and, and a couple of other things because uh mindy and her mother uh reset the at&t mobile deal and that was one of the ways that disney plus was getting getting rolled out was you know you get up to the at&t and and get the get the disney plus deal or paramount plus or whatever whatever it was I think Warner Brothers Warner Brothers did a deal with AT&T rolling out for Paramount Plus. But all of those bundling and buy this and you get that and you know Hulu and Disney Plus were all bundled together with ESPN cuz they're all owned by the same company. And now you know eventually you're going to get these packages like you get with cable. You get basic cable, you get your sports package, you get your premium mm-hmm. movie channels. Right, like you know, HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, and and uh, what were some of the other ones back in the day? I can't remember. There was one, and I can't remember what it was, but they had Star Wars, and I don't, I can't for the life of me remember what network was. They're not around anymore. But the, I I watch Star Wars all the time on this on this channel. Every time it was on, I was like, oh hey, Star Wars. I think I probably watch. It. No, it wasn't the movie channel. It was it was something else. But yeah, the movie channel was out there. But this I, it was it was another one. I can't remember what it was. Um, but they had they had Star Wars, and they showed Star Wars all the time. And I think I probably watched it just something like 200, 250 times in a summer. When it was on, I got it. I got to the point where I I could quote the entire movie. It was like when Batman '89 came out on video. I think we, my my, my friend Mike and I, what he he got it on video and he had a VCR and we just wore that tape into the ground. Nope. Yep. yep. Speaking of audience growth, we're uh, we're bouncing a little bit. We were at twenty one ten over the weekend. We're now back to twenty one oh nine. We dropped down to twenty one oh eight. So uh, you know, hey, we need we need some more over there because you know this this uh, this channel doesn't pay for itself. <laughs> We've also got a new channel, TV two, which is going to be our replay channel. This is an experiment. This is a test, and we're going to see what happens with this one. So this one is not going to have any live programming because YouTube has got this thing now. They've changed the algorithm again. They want everybody doing shorts. We're not going to be doing shorts. I'm... if we end up doing shorts, I'll be kicking, you know, I'll be dragged kicking and streaming to do it. I don't want to do shorts because if we're going to make video content, we're going to make programming. I'd rather it be the long form stuff that actually has some meaning and has some value rather than just 
60 seconds right. of nothing. And so the, 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 the algorithm doesn't like the hybrid channels like ours where we've got some live stuff and we've got some pre-recorded stuff. So the TV.2 is all just replay. We just upload everything over there after we do the live. Everything's still going to live here, but it's also going to live over there. And we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll tweak the algorithm, see if we can, see if we can trick it. Because I've also got links on the TV.2 coming back to this one. So I don't, it, it could all be a big waste of time. Uh, we'll see. But I don't know. Anyway. I, who knows? Send us money. Help us, help us do more. Do better. Do faster. Do, do more. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. All right. Stronger, faster, harder, whatever. <laughs> right, right. We don't need six million dollars. No, ma no. Mainly enough just to, uh, just to, uh, you know, keep the lights on and 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 keep the internet. I mean, you know the you know the the website hosting fees and all that. Uh, yeah, John Forty Two. I saw that Echo Base Network got demonetized. I didn't realize that they were using their own material, and that's why they got dinged. That's dumb. Uh, that's that's YouTube being YouTube. Right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. This is this is the problem with the automated systems because you don't nobody nobody wants to pay to have enough live humans. Yeah. Looking at, and 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 I well I how get could it. you? It's a it's a money thing, but it's I mean the, how many millions the, how many millions of videos get uploaded all the time uh, every day Oh sure and I mean so I mean there's there's a there's there's reasons why it, it does this but it's so easy for it to be um you know not efficient or or accurate um although I have to say that uh, I was amused um there's a you know you remember Elon Musk's robots his little oh, his AI things yeah yeah, yeah. Um, he recently said that he was going to have them. Uh, he thinks they're going to be able to, you know, take care of the elderly in nursing homes. Oh, and, that's a bad idea. <laughs> and I was just thinking, you know, you, you've seen the test that's online that shows the the Tesla's not breaking for the child-sized mm. uh, yeah. dummies in the cross in the crosswalk. Um, I'm thinking, consider considering how well those cars take care of children. Um, <laughs> right. You know, I mean, so so it's 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 an inconvenience and it's massively uh, frustrating for the creative folks on, on in on things like YouTube. But odds are good you're not going to get run over. Um, or I don't know. It's, it's no, but you know, it's well, and we ran into this with the whole COPPA thing when they changed all the rules. You know, a couple right. of years ago is now suddenly is this for kids or is it not for kids? But the algorithm to me is garbage in garbage out and the people at YouTube can't uh, can't figure out what kind of channel they want to do what kind of platform they want to be because you know there's so much emphasis now on corporate media you know ESPN and Jimmy Fallon and and that kind of thing as opposed to the independent creators that built the channel you know, the platform to begin with I mean, no. YouTube is worth a billion dollars when Google bought it because of people like us. Right, but at this point, they're you know just like the folks over at Warner Brothers or or you know Nexstar. They're all looking at the 
how how does this thing what I own now yeah make me continue to make me money um, and the network folks pay a lot more they just do I mean it's it's I get it I just you know oh yeah it's it sucks, it's more <laughs> it's more of, of this you are you become the product that social media is you know twitter and youtube well, and facebook and all that you're the product they're selling you it's it's the the word i mean I, I i've used it a number of times tonight and and it's the word content i hate that word <laughs> and and you got you got it so much of it in the warner brothers call content yeah. content content yeah and there's a i get it i i get it i understand why it's the word everybody uses but it also you know it it takes away from the fact that these are creative things that are put out by people who are attempting to do creative things and i mean i realize it's the reality of the business but Con it's content is the corporate speak box that they're trying to put everything into and commoditize everything and some stuff fits better than others And you never uh, know so what's going to strike. Um, yes, I will keep picking on the bots because I'm going to tell you right now. Until they fix Google Maps, the apocalypse is never going to happen because they're going to be stuck in the middle of a field going, where are all the humans? <laughs> right. Well, they need they need to fix Google Maps and your microphone. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Speaking of social media, we are... <sighs> On all of them. Well, on, on a lot of them. And mainly to park the brand there so somebody doesn't hijack it. But if you are a user of the alternative uh, uh, social media platforms, we're on there. You can find us. Uh, as well as the usual uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, and all of that. number of different video platforms where you can find us. Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, and Twitch. There's a newsletter you can sign up for. Uh, of course, the tip jar through PayPal or Subscribestar, uh, and you can uh, connect with us that way if you want to support the channel. Of course, nobody is under any obligation to send us money or thank us. It is it is a thankless job that we have here, but we enjoy doing it. <laughs> there have been a number of people who have yes. said thank yes. you. And, Dave even said uh, it tonight. And, and, and said nice things to us tonight. And appreciate you guys watching yeah and i do i do want to thank everybody for being here and for spending time with us and coming back because you know there are plenty of other places where you could be right now whether you're here live with us or if you're watching this in memorex you know you're you're giving us your time and that's valuable to us and we do appreciate that and we hope you come back and if you and if you don't know what memorex is ask your dad <laughs> is it live or is it memorex or your mom. I remember I remember when CDs first came out. And the radio station started using them in the late 80s. You you happen to have a I blank that's a blank this cassette in a drawer. It's unopened. <laughs> this is an unopened. I don't even have anything in the apartment that'll play this. I have a tape deck. I do not have a functioning tape deck, but I found this the other day. I was looking for something else. Wow. And uh, I, I sat there and I went, really? I have a blank, <laughs> unopened yeah. 
And and this is a good. Yeah, you know, Max nice L's Max L's good blank. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a ninety that's minute a good tape. I mean, this is this is. This was cutting a technology. Right. Well, I remember when, when CDs first came out. Uh, it's here because I wanted to show it to you. You yeah, specifically, yeah. I was like. Well, you know, that's that's impressive. But uh, KVIL in Dallas started using CDs early. They were early adopters with this stuff. And my dad, for whatever, there was, there was a particular song that he was taken with, the quality of it. Um the pointer sisters fire mm. because there's a spot in the song where they go completely silent, right? There's that break. And dad was like, listen to this, listen to this. And it goes down and he turns it up and you don't hear anything. There's no, there's no tape hiss. It's, there's, yeah. no, there's no, you know, clicks and pops from the album or anything like that. He says, listen to how clean that is. He was so fascinated by CD technology at the time. It was, it was, I was like, my dad's actually giddy about this. It was fun to watch. It was, it was very, very different for him. It was so out of character. Uh, that's what does it. <laughs> okay, good well, to know. Uh, I have, I have a, a cabinet, which is my old CD cabinet, and I got one of the computers on top of it. You know, you get the you know, mm-hmm. yep. uh, greatest hits, volume one and two for Queen. And and um, I cannot tell you the last time I played this. I just listened to my brand new. This, you know, I, see yeah. any of the CDs that I own. I just listened to my brand new remastered Star Trek The Motion Picture soundtrack on CD. Uh, folks, I'm going to be there with, with Robert Meyer Burnett on this one. Get physical media. Get the album. Get the CD. Get the DVD. Get the videotape. Whatever it is. Laserdisc, whatnot. Because these digital services like Amazon and Comixology and whatever else. Steam. Stadia. It's it's nothing for them to just flip a switch and it's all gone. Yeah, that's true. Well, and, and even even if it's not intentional... Um, I, I, I had, you know, I the twice this year, I've had a computer hard drive try and, you know, wipe out everything that I have. Yeah. And, and that's even, that's even with automatic backups. So, you know, the, cause both times it happened, um, the automatic backup failed. So, I mean, it's the, the technology is far from perfect. The, the file formats are far from incorruptible. The physical media has uh, its benefits, not to mention the fact that, um, I don't know, I mean, if you just like the sound of a thing better, I the sound, the sound on my computers is pretty good. But it's not the same as the sound where you've got, you know, four speakers around you and you've got a, you know, turntable and, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, it, it it really does come down to to quality. Yeah, I don't use my I don't use so. my surround sound uh, near as much as I need to. I mean, you know, we we're watching a movie upstairs. We watched a DVD at home or in the living room or whatever, and and you get the surround sound for that. But I don't I don't sit and just watch and have, you know, right. well, all of the. But sometimes, 
sometimes having the option. Um, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with still having an iPod. If your iPod still works, then right? by all means, use your iPod. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's a topic we can talk about. You know how how technology has passed us by. <laughs> I mean, I, I used I used I, I go walking fairly regularly, and it used to be that I would carry. Even when I was living living here in Kansas City, so from about 2005 to about 2009 or 2010, when I'd go walking, in my hand, I'd be carrying my CD player. Mm-hmm. You know, my little thing, and, and you know, I'd, have, I'd have the headphones on. Now it's, you know, my wireless headset and, and my cell phone uh, because I've got all that stuff, you know. All, well, everything I want to listen to on my cell phone, this, but I would I would carry the CD with me as I went walking and listening to whatever it was. Sony Walkman is coming is making a comeback. You know the the fact is is that some of this stuff, even though the technology has marched on, mm-hmm. um, it has some utility and uh, nostalgia factor for some things. I mean, there's yeah. a certain amount, and and some of it's just convenient. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Vinyl's making a comeback. Vinyl, so, vinyl, vinyl's been on a comeback for 20 years. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still, I, uh, the, I've had very little need of a real life lawyer uh, in, in my life uh, a couple of times. Um, and one was, um, the, lawyer one wall was all law books of course the other wall was an entire wall probably 15 feet that was just all vinyl and he was like yes i'm aware i have a problem um (laughs) (laughs) but i like music and this job pays for it and it's like well i can't argue with that uh but uh there's you know certainly folks have been enjoying it for a long time there's a there's a great record store it was just down the street from where I used to live in my old apartment, um, and uh, there's some really great record stores here in Kansas City. If you are interested in such things, if you want to find vinyl, uh, check around. I'm sure your city has some shop that you may not know about because some of them are really small and um, really niche market kind of stuff. But there's some great, con- great content, great, <laughs> uh, great albums out there that you can get that you. Uh, um, probably forgot you loved yeah um, and uh and and some of them are not super expensive anymore i mean they're the 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 rise in interest in in vinyl has made some things really expensive and some things not so much so i mean i just like... got a i came back i came back from the last time i visited my parents with and admittedly it's a combo thing so it's a turntable and um uh, it's a setup so basically you could record an album to digital. Yeah. So, but it's a turntable. So um, I don't have much in the way of albums anymore myself. So mm-hmm. I'm, but because I have a turntable now, I'm like, I do too. I, and what? Um, yeah. Why do I? What do I want to own on on vinyl? I have uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture on the blue discs. I've got. The original Star Wars soundtrack on a on a vinyl album. Thank you very much. I have Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. Boston Pops. I have an eclectic mix. All right. 
we could we could talk about that another time. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. that's going to do it for us tonight, folks. Thanks very much. And I and I do see that we got uh, we got a ten dollar donation through PayPal. So thank you very much. I think it was MS that sent us that. So we appreciate that. So uh, that'll that'll get us a a, a couple of uh, cups of coffee or something. So, our hey, can't complain about a couple. That's well, that's that's a decent pound of coffee there, actually. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Next week we'll do it all again. And uh, let's see. Next week is number three hundred fifteen. And also next Wednesday. Live from the bunker hits 450. So mm. just uh, something to keep in mind. So we'll uh, we'll do this all again next week. Thanks very much, folks. Good night. Good night. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi for Me Radio. 